2: and welcome to the pride of detroit pod cast pride of pride of detroit on twitter pride of detroit on facebook pride of detroit on twitch and pride of detroit on youtube i see the custom url there pride of detroit c i mean youtube slash c slash pride of detroit we've got everything here we've got so much for you to get to us and now also featuring discord Uh, If you're on Twitch, you can type in exclamation point discord in the description of this podcast. We will be putting the discord link. It's an invite. It's permanent. You can join us. What is discord? Discord is a chat room. It's a server with voice chat, with text chat. We have overhauled our discord. A lot more people are in here now. It has become a big haven. I know some people have talked about the comments on on Pride Detroit kind of changed software over the past few weeks over the past few months excuse me uh discord's our way to try to have more talk with you guys it is constant i am always in there i love being in there and we've had some great conversation uh over the last few weeks in discord so by all means we're now on discord official join us on freaking discord and who am i i'm chris profet the adequate host at chris profet p-e-r F-E-T-T. And the man sitting right next to me, virtually, is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, who did his Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation probably a few weeks too early considering who we are about to talk about on this podcast, <laughs> which is the Lions hiring probably a, a coach very close to Randy Savage
1: in Dan Campbell. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to work on my PC principal uh, impression <laughs> between then Maybe, maybe in our next charity drive, I'll do a PC Principal, PC Principal yeah. cosplay. Go, we'll see. Just going South Park now. Yeah, PC Principal.
2: That seems to be what everyone's photoshopping now. The memes are back. This is why I love this hire. But we'll talk about that in a second. First off, the third man of this podcast, Ryan Matthews. Back, the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P O D. Ryan, who now owes me wings from Sweetwater, which is important.
0: It is important, and I will pay if you ever make your way back to Michigan. Don't you ever bet on Lamar Jackson again. I will bet on Lamar Jackson every <laughs> single time, and I have an opportunity to bet on Lamar Jackson. <laughs> That's the way this works. <laughs> and I will keep
2: collecting then. All right. Well, as I said, Dan Campbell is the reason we're here. Um, the, meathead is, the Meathead regime begins now. The uh, himbo regime, excuse me, that is the new term on the block himbo and Dan Campbell's a himbo and uh, him and Chris Spielman working out doing that scene from from Top Gun with the with the volleyballs playing with the boys and everything else. No, in, in, in fairness, <laughs> let's break this down. In fair. OK, I'm done joking around real quick, instant reaction. So Dan Campbell, the Saints exit the playoffs last night. It's basically official. He's got to go through the exit interviews. I think we're expecting the formal introduction, the formal news to come sometime around Tuesday or Thursday, depending on whatever, maybe Wednesday. I think Wednesday is actually the new date. Um, yeah. So we, it's not official yet, but everyone knows. It's, it's, it's an open secret. Uh, Ian Rappaport's reporting on it. Adam Schefter's reporting on it. So Dan Campbell, your next Lions head coach. Your thoughts, Jeremy.
1: Uh it's tough. <laughs> you know, it, it's not the hire I wanted. I think I think everyone who follows me on Twitter, you know, probably even mentioned it a few times on this podcast. I was hoping for Brandon Staley, who uh who did land a job, um, not in Detroit. Um Dan Campbell's yeah, a hard it, it's a hard you sell. Yourself, yeah. Just to be to be blunt and honest, it's a hard sell to to Lions fans because I, I get I get what they're trying to do, right? And and it's what they said they were gonna they they want a culture. Culture, 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 culture. This was a culture hire. They got a guy who's, you know, a, a very much a player's coach, a guy that know how knows how to relate to players. He's been a player for over a decade. He's he's worked with some fantastic coaches in his career. He's been alongside some fantastic coaches in career. so he knows how to relate to players, but it's hard to know because this has become such a strategic league about strategy. And we saw it on Sunday. We saw Andy Reid coached the hell out of, out of, you know, into a, a conference championship appearance. And we just know so little about Dan Campbell as a coach in terms of X's and O's. He's not a guy that, that really does that sort of thing. He's a tight ends coach. He's an assistant head coach, which I think is just a title for like rah, rah guy essentially. Um, so, I mean, I don't know it. We have to wait for the coordinator hires for me to really feel anything about this hiring the, the one thing I will say is it's, it's, un, it's an unconventional hire, right? Mm-hmm. I, I put this out on Twitter today. In terms of head coaches out there in their current position, there are only three that have never had either head coaching experience in their past, offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator experience in their past, and I'm not. And here, I'm, I'm fudging the, the numbers here a little bit by not including interim because obviously Dan Campbell had 12 games of interim head coach. But there are only three. John Harbaugh, Brian Flores, and Joe Judge. And even that feels like fudging the numbers a little bit because John Harbaugh and Joe Judge are both special teams coordinators, um, so they've they've been kind of that coaching of a of an entire unit before. And then Brian Flores was essentially the defensive coordinator for the Patriots for a year, but didn't actually have the title; he was still calling the plays. So it's an unconventional hire. It's a wait and see approach, which isn't what I was. I mean, I was hoping for like, yes, I'm I'm in from from the get go. But overall, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe. Ryan, your thoughts. Uh,
0: Initially, it just seems like a huge overcorrection in the opposite direction from Matt Patricia. And it seems like the Lions took stock of everything that was going on with the head coaching search, and they decided to head in the most opposite direction they could as Matt Patricia. They didn't look out uh, or they, they didn't seek out the offensive guru they didn't seek out the next defensive genius and what they did is they found somebody who was quote unquote a player's coach and it seems like there are an awful lot of players that uh that that testified to dan campbell as a leader and that's what detroit did with this hire and it remains to be seen as jeremy said what kind of staff he puts together so it's really hard to thumb your nose at whether or not dan campbell will put the right people in place but I think that there are a ton of question marks, and I think that there are enough reservations for fans to have about this hiring, without having to drink the Kool Aid and just buy in for this being a a home run hire or a, a really good hire. I think in if we were to relate this or we were to hold this up next to the Brad Holmes hiring, I am significantly more disappointed in Detroit's hiring of of Dan or I mean they're they're reportedly hiring of Dan Campbell. Than, than the Brad Holmes uh, hiring, for sure.
2: Am I going to be the voice of optimism here? Wow. This is a place I have not been before. I am cautiously optimistic on this. I understand the lack of experience. I understand that probably what's going to happen, and I think we'll talk about this later on the podcast, that the Lions kind of swung and miss on a few on a few guys out here this this couldn't have been a first choice by any stretch of the imagination unless unless things were really weird over in allen park but i don't think that's right but Here's where it gets higher. Uh, Here's where it gets interesting for me is that, as you guys say, it's an unconventional hire. And honestly, at this point, I am more than willing to try the unconventional hire, considering the Lions have done the conventional hire for a very long time and those haven't worked out. Uh, One of the things I read this week was from a guy, Justice Mosqueda, who's a big Twitter, you know, big Twitter NFL guy. And he pointed this out. So I just wanted to read this. I'm just pulling up the tweet right now. So, uh, you know, he he talked. He kind of talked about how models in the NFL for who's going to be your next big coach have kind of evolved over time. And the line of it used to be that if you were around an elite quarterback, that meant you were coaching material and that team should go out and hire you. And it's and it's it's failed spectacularly, like a million times over two decades. The of the new model, however, as he points out, is and I quote here, can their structure get to the Super Bowl without a star QB and take big swings on play-action pass-oriented coordinator? And as Justice points out, that's how you get one-year play callers like Lafleur as Green Bay's head coach, et etc. And I think that's like as I thought about that, I'm like okay, that makes sense for a guy like say an Arthur Smith out there who is a big name out there. And I think swinging and missing on a coordinator might honestly be. A, a good thing for Detroit to try something different. You guys mentioned the players coach thing, but again, I think it's worth interrogating how long he was as an assistant coach in New Orleans, what that meant, what that picked up on. It's going to matter who he hires as his staff. The, the staff was the reason uh, Caldwell failed. He just couldn't f- find a good offensive coordinator, but I, I don't know, man, like this guy, not only is he uh, not only is he a player's coach, he's a former lion. And as I think what I like about him, just because of how close he is to being a former player. Is that he understands what the suck has been. As I said, former Lion. What year in particular, Jeremy? What what year in particular? I believe his last year in the NFL was 2008. No, no, not with no, oh, the Lions. He, yes. he, I think he, he struggled on. Did he go somewhere more. after
1: that? He, he went somewhere else after that, but I he believe. Went, the point being yeah. that he he was part of the 0-16 team.
2: Yeah, the, the, the point being he understands what it's like to go through the suck. And this yeah. Lions team is going to go through some growing phases. Uh, some growing pains in the next few years. And by God, you need a guy who's going to understand what those growing pains entail. Who, who can weather the suck. <laughs> who can weather the suck. And guess what? That's exactly what he did for 12 games with, with Miami. So by any which means, like, I'm going to be I'm I'm fascinated to see. I really want to see what his press conference is going to be like. I, we've been painting him as a meathead. I don't think that's who he is. I have some questions. I want them answered, but right now, I I, I want to give him a chance, just because this is something very different.
1: Is and I I, I I first let's go through some misconceptions. I think some like there's yeah. already been some misinformation thrown out there that I think is painting him in in a poorer image than than maybe he is. And and it it starts with the whole ball control thing, right? Like mm. there was a one quote that was thrown out there that said like, "Hey, I'm all about ball control and and running the ball and and and." You know, making sure that we're not the, like the, we're winning the game by not making mistakes. That was a little bit taken out of context. That was actually him describing Bill Parcells's kind of um and his Texas Tech or Texas A and M, I should say, coach. Yeah, he's snappy. Um, yeah, um, their philosophies and and how they mixed. And let's be clear, he's almost certainly going to be impacted by those guys. So the, I mean, those those were his guys when he was a player. He played under Bill Parcells. He played under the Aggies. Um, but he he both times he talked about that, he also mentioned how Bill Parcells changed things up when he needed to. And uh, he was on a podcast called The Lucha Cast. Um, which was a, a Texas A and M uh, podcast from from back in June, I want to say, and he, he talked about. it. He's like, yeah, Bill Parcells, when we played, he was all about ball control. He's all about running the ball. He's all about taking possessions away from the defense and winning games by by small margins. But when we were about to play Kansas City with you know Priest Holmes and Trent Green and and you know that number one offense. Bill Parcells said, screw it, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to change everything we're going to do, everything we normally do, and we're going to be aggressive. And that, to me, was something. And and he said specifically, that's what I remember from Bill Parcells. So to me, I I do think he's probably going to be a little bit of that old school ilk. Um, I I mean, he played it with a different generation of players where that was how it was going. But I think he also understands that you have to be flexible. You can't just be this one philosophy kind of coach otherwise you're going to get yourself in trouble and to me that that quote eased a little bit of my issues i still have some i still do think he's going to be more old school than new school um but i think people kind of took that quote out of out of control and i think think he'll be a little bit better than
2: I I think I think his time with the Saints does matter though like that is a more new that is a more newer that's a newer offense too like he's not Mm. like been frozen in in the ice like like a Neanderthal he's been working with modern teams as well so I'm curious what he's picked up from Sean Payton uh Ryan any other concerns or thought about uh, thoughts here on uh, um I guess I should ask you like uh, with the names remaining, is this little guy the Lions should have gone with? Because there isn't much left on the board. I'm just kind of curious your your thoughts there.
0: I, I guess what I, I guess what has been like a stick in my craw is that at the, you know the Lions fired Patricia after Thanksgiving, right? So mm-hmm. they were one of the first teams to the table, you know, outside of the Houston Texans, outside of the Atlanta Falcons, to really start to think about all right, who do we want to target to be our next head coach, and the Lions did a thorough job of searching for a general manager and I think they did a pretty thorough job of trying to find a head coach too. My problem with the head coaching search is that it it, it seemingly started on, you know, New Year's Eve with the interview of Marvin Lewis and then things really ramped up, especially after, you know, the regular season ended and then You know, chairs started getting filled and it seemed like the Lions were left at the, you know, seemingly almost at the end of the dance, you know, swinging and missing on Robert Sala. Um, Who knows if the Lions ever, you know, truly wanted him to be their head coach, but it's tough to see guys head to other pastures. And and for the Lions to end up with with Dan Campbell and. Th- that can that can be frustrating, and Dan Campbell can still be a good hire at the same time. Like I don't think that those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. But mm-hmm. um, the the one the one kind of anecdotal thing that I want to bring up about you know what Jeremy said in terms of Bill Parcells, like Bill Parcells was one of the most adaptable head coaches in the history of the NFL. If anybody yeah. can remember in, in 1994, Drew Bledsoe set the single single game passing uh, record with 70 attempts in a game. Because Bill Parcells knew that the Vikings couldn't couldn't cover and they ran the ball 12 times that game. So, I mean, don't don't say that, like, just because Dan Campbell might, you know, adopt a lot of Bill Parcells philosophies in terms of ball control, that he he wouldn't be open to doing some of those things. Because, you know, Sean Payton is another Bill Parcells disciple. He's he's a mate. He's a made man from the Bill Parcells tree. And that guy, I mean, the, the Saints have. One of the most run heavy offenses in the NFL, but they also they take shots down the field. Right. So I I, I don't I, I think it's really unfair for um the person who tweeted that out uh to kind of stir up this kind of uh <clears throat> misguided interpretation of who Dan Campbell is as a coach.
2: Yeah. I also think uh Uh, I'm kind of getting ahead of our podcast a bit by talking about coordinators. I do think it has also stirred up fans because uh, someone did place the name Greg Williams next to Dan Campbell. Let's be let's be very clear. There was a one year overlap between Greg Williams and Dan Campbell. And uh, but either way, it has sent just Lions fans into a massive tizzy. Just imagining that.
1: But but to go back to like the the options that were on the table, I, th- I think, you know, looking back on this, we'll all just wonder what happened with Robert Sala, right? It seemed like a home yes. run hire. It seemed like, I mean, you, you got an, a, another guy who I think is at least on the surface, a very good culture hire, a guy who, you know, again, understands the lines. He, he's, he's been through the suck as a fan. So he probably can weather the suck as a, as a coach you'd imagine. Um, cause he went through it as a coach too in San Francisco a couple of years ago. Um, but, but what went wrong there? And, and, and it, it's unclear if the lions didn't want him, if he didn't want the lions, but it was clear after that first interview, like that was it. There was never a second interview <laughs> scheduled there. They never got aggressive. Something didn't happen. You know, we, we, we heard the reports that the interview didn't. Well, I saw Jeff Risden throw out that maybe, maybe his home field thing worked against him in that he didn't want to put his family through that. Um, which I guess can make sense. Like if, if things go rough, then suddenly it's, it's bad for his family locally. And it, it could put his like, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever know. Can can I ask, can I ask this
2: then? Because I I feel, I feel like this is, this is part of that. And I was wondering about this as Salah took. And I mean, look, like we can talk about how good a job is and how good it isn't. But the fact is that he's going to the jets. He's going to get his pick of basically who he wants to be the next quarterback. He's going to have a number two overall pick. He's got some pieces there to work with to rebuild a defense as he sees fit. I understand the and if you and if you make it work, it's New York, which I mean, I hate New York. I despise New York. I despise New York bias. But I mean, that that part, at least I understand. But I I want to ask you guys, because that was the one thing that kept me going back to Sala, right, was Dearborn kid and i'm wondering if we fell maybe fell too in love with that narrative with the narrative of this was this was the home this would have been the homecoming for robert sala and it kind of blinded us to maybe either sala's own interest in the job or the lions own interest in sala or maybe that it's 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 made us kind of negative on other picks
1: it's possible but i don't know i i even before i heard you know all the I, got hyped up about all the the local connections i just i thought it made a lot of sense you know you're bringing in a a really good defensive coordinator um a a guy who who did more than anyone with less this year i think you know brought that 49ers defense to top 10 status despite having injuries all over the place how many times have we said like oh you know what if trey flowers was was healthy the entire season we would have been fine if you know, whatever, go back to DeAndre Levy or whatever. Like it it always excuses for injuries here in Detroit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And here the 49ers are with, you know, half of their starters out for the entire year. And the 49ers had a a top 10 defense and sure, you know, we've had defensive gurus come in here and and go and and it hasn't worked out. Um, But I don't know. I I think solid's just, it'll be remaining a mystery until it's not, I guess, but Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I want to say, you know, beyond Sala is that I have to say, like, if I'm looking across the NFL, I'm not really excited about a lot of these coaches that were were hired, to be completely honest. And and it, some of the landscape has kind of surprised me, like Urban Meyer. I didn't want that to happen. I don't think the Jaguars necessarily did a good job going through their coaching search. Yeah, that like Meyer or bust. Yeah, that seems more like a
2: Saban slash Spurrier hire from college than it does a Jimmy Johnson or Pete right. Carroll
1: hire. <laughs> and then Arthur Smith. I mean, there are a lot of questions like, yeah, he improved that defense a lot, but how much of that was Derrick Henry? Like, I wasn't ever really big on the Arthur Smith. How much buzz. of the play
2: action? Yeah. Yeah. Like I talked about from Mosqueda. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and, then, and then the other one is, is Brandon Staley. And, and yeah, I want a Brandon Staley. And and interesting to see the Charges who seem to be fully in on Brian Dable kind of do a last minute audible there and, and grab Staley. And I think that speaks to probably how well he interviewed, but I don't know. I mean, there is it, the thing is like, I would, I kind of had put my eggs in, in Sala or Staley or bust. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not thrilled about Campbell, but I, 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 I'm not so sure they missed out on their favorite candidate. I don't think they did. I think they fell in love with Campbell the first time they, inter- they haven't interviewed anyone else the second time. Let's be clear. Like, they haven't yeah. even they they had a, the set the second interview with Arthur Smith that got canceled. That was that was the only indication that there was anyone else that they were seriously interested in. So maybe they lost out on Arthur Smith, but I think if if they did miss out on anyone, it was him and him alone. I think Dan Campbell might have been their guy. Yeah,
2: like the only thing that's maybe interesting is that again Marvin Lewis and Todd Bowles are kind of on the sidelines. It sounds like Todd Bowles is getting some more interviews though. Ryan, um, your thoughts on on like where this stands, the landscape?
0: I think the most surprising thing, and it's interesting how this, it took time to develop in the coaching search, but I think the most interesting thing about the Lions head coaching search was that quote, and I think it was from Burkett who mentioned that Brad Holmes dropped Brandon Staley's name in the second interview, and then there was nothing that happened with that. So that Mm -hmm. seems a bit incongruent. That doesn't seem like something like, you know, you're going to hire Brad Holmes to be your GM, but you're not going to take him up on the opportunity to interview the guy that he name dropped. So uh, there there has to be some kind of missing link there. There has to be some there had to been some kind of understanding with Brad Holmes, like to a certain extent that like, you know, we're really interested in this Dan Campbell guy. And, and, and you know, Brad Holmes had to have been on board in in some capacity. Don't you imagine that, especially for. Uh, a leadership group like the Lions who who preach unity and and, you know, communication as the hallmarks of of this search for a GM and a head coach?
2: Yeah, the only thing I could really think of is that maybe that by the time he named Staley, Staley was already slated to go to the Chargers. And as someone kind of Riley pointed out to me the other night when I was uh, working on my other job, like the the benefit for Staley is he doesn't need to pack up his family and move. Stays in town. so i mean there's there's that 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 that, that, does, that does matter sometimes when you're going for a job is staley but, um, old
0: enough to have a family
2: is he is he one he's of the younger young. guys <laughs> he's definitely he's, young
0: <laughs> he's 38 <laughs> uh,
2: i mean i know we're all kind of losers here but i think that's old enough for fam- for a lot of people for families though
0: it was but, a uh, joke maybe not for-
2: oh okay jesus ryan <laughs> you're really mad about those wings. You're really mad about the Ravens.
0: No, I'm just irritable and crotchety and ornery. Can't wait to talk about coordinators.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of which, let's take a break. And uh, you know what? I almost want to talk about that Holmes stuff since we've been talking about it so much. I almost want to leave the coordinators for later. What do you guys think? Should we just I know you shouldn't do your production notes on air, but we've never really been organized here.
1: Wherever you want to take us. That's a terrible idea. coach. That is that is a terrible idea. You're the Do ben not... Campbell now.
0: Yeah, you're steering the ship, dude.
2: Let me go. Okay, so we're going to take a break. I'm going to go find my Oakleys. <laughs> and uh, I'm already, <laughs> if you're watching on Twitch, I'm already wearing you know, Fire the Guy Fieri shirt, so... Like, I've already got that part down. So I'm going to go find my Oakleys right now when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. More about the Dan Campbell hire, more about everything going on in the wide world of Lions and what it all means for the future as Dan Campbell comes into Detroit on seemingly mixed emotions among the fan base and certainly among this podcast. Welcome back. Pride of Detroit POD cast. As we roll along here, Dan Campbell is coach. Lions have fully assembled squad now. Well, not quite, but we've got coordinators. More on that in a second, but they've hired Brad Holmes as their general manager. Uh, the Dan Campbell news will be official later this week. We are recording this on a Monday for whenever you get this. So stick with us. We'll see what happens. Uh, I did mention coordinators just five seconds ago. And that seems to be the big topic on, on two different points, Jer- uh, Jeremy, Ryan. One is that Dan Campbell himself doesn't have any coordinator experience. He was basically a tight ends coach for about four years. Suddenly, Joe Philbin gets uh, defenestrated and he is asked to carry that team for 12 games and carry it. It does. Joe Philbin, I think, had a one in three record in 2015. The Dolphins finished that year six and ten. So he picked up five wins for the Dolphins there. And then he goes straight from there to New Orleans, where for the past five seasons, he's been both the tight ends coach and the assistant to Sean Payton, which I think, I, I think that that second part is important. And I think that's why we're going to try to get a Saints guest in the next couple of weeks to talk about what that all entailed when he was in. And I'm sure we'll hear about it from Dan Campbell himself. But Before we get into who's going to be on his coordinator staff again, like I I do I do want to I am curious, like what that impacts him as not being a coordinator. Obviously, a lot of fans don't like that he hasn't been a coordinator, but I think the more practical question is, is that it does put a lot more pressure on him to hire a good staff because he does need coordinators that will come out there and do and probably handle a lot of the X's and O's. And it, it I mean, they again, you know, they need all of them. And again, as I said, staff is everything sometimes. That's what like a lot of people disagreed over how good or how bad the Jim Caldwell era was. But what absolutely killed Jim Caldwell, 100 percent his inability to hire a good offensive coordinator. he leaned lead on Joe Lombardi and Jim Bob Cooter, but not having a good coordinator there. Like it didn't it didn't matter that that Caldwell himself had an offensive background. It just he, him not having the good coordinator there just ultimately tanks, whatever your plans are. So uh,
1: how much pressure is on him there, Jeremy? I mean, all the pressure. I think I think that's the prime source of everyone's anxiety about this hire is that we don't know what this team is going to look like. We don't know what scheme they're going to run. We don't know what offensive philosophies they're going to have, any of that stuff. And like you said, this, you know. Campbell isn't a guy that's been around the league for a long time. He's, he's playing career is, is, is barely a decade old. And so there's questions about, you know, his ability to, to, to find a good offensive coordinator, his ability to hire a good offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. How many connections does he have? Sure. He has connect. I mean, there, there's still some coaches around from his playing days and maybe that connection helps him uh, bring in a guy, but it remains to be seen whether he can bring in a good staff. And since there's been so few leaks about who those coordinators are, people are scared and understandable. I mean, that's my main source of anxiety right now about this. Is I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know where this whole thing is going right now. All I know is that we got a rah-rah guy as a head coach and, and that's a good start, but it's, it's not even half the battle in my opinion. I think strategy is, is today's NFL. And so there's, there's a lot of, you know, anxiety around that. And, and then I think the other thing is too, like, Okay. And, and again, like this is, this is maybe thinking too, too much in advance, but you know, you get some guys in place that you like. Well, what if, what if that guy's really, really good at his job and it's gone? I mean, it, it could be as soon as next. I mean, we saw Brandon Staley go after one year of coordinator and then suddenly you're back. Like if Staley's gone or, you know, whoever the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator is gone. Can Dan Campbell take that unit over? Does he have the football smarts to take it over in the interim? Or find a new guy that can run a similar system? Or, you know, does he have a, a, will he be able to draw a deep enough staff where if the Lions lose an offensive coordinator, they lose a defensive coordinator, they can promote from within. And again, that's thinking a little too far down the line. If we have an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, that's good enough to be a head coach somewhere else. Well, something must be going right. But yeah,
2: we should be in the playoffs of that if that's happening. That's always my pushback to that argument is. And by the way, at that point, you're probably attracting enough people to come take over that job too. You know,
1: probably maybe, but I, I think my overall point is just like, I, I feel a little more comfortable if there was a guy that I knew could, could run the offense, could run the defense, like knows what they're doing on at least one side of the ball while they're there. And I'm not sure Dan Campbell is that guy.
0: I, I, th- I think what, uh, I mean, and we'll never be privy to exactly what happened in those interviews, but that had to have been a serious, serious point of uh, interrogation. Like, Right. It has to be like Dan Campbell. Like, can you put together a staff? And he had to have had names. He had to have had names. There's yeah, no that's... way. There's no way that he, you know, gets this job without having names. So, um, I agree with you, Jeremy. the the other The other point that I do want to make is that while it would be a really good thing if the Lions' offensive coordinator is being poached after a year, or their defensive coordinator is getting poached after a year. It's also on Dan Campbell to develop a staff and um, like you said, to be able to promote from within. So all of that stuff, notwithstanding, I mean, the guy doesn't even have coordinators yet. So I, I don't even, I don't even think it's fair. Like you said, to, to take this discussion to, to that point yet. Do you want to talk yeah, about some I,
1: candidates? <laughs>
0: it it, it feels
2: premature, hand? but yes, I, I, I do want to talk some candidates. This is what I mean. Like this is, I, I understand where Ryan's coming from. Like the guy hasn't even been officially hired yet. And we're sitting here wondering like, well, h- how the hell is
0: he going to put together a staff? I also think that people well, no, are just we're, kind we're of, wondering. Yeah. We're openly, openly wondering, how is he yeah. going to replace his offensive coordinator? How is he going to replace his defensive <laughs> yeah, <we're> coordinator? It's <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> okay, the guy like, hasn't even been hired.
2: <laughs> we're put, I think some fans are putting it way ahead of every year. But like, I think that would be true of any coach too. Any coach is going to get poached in this day and age in the league. Um, and I also think, too, Ryan, like, and and please answer this, but like, I think some people are dismissing how many connections maybe he made when he was he's been with us again. He's been with the Saints for five years with with a very stable organization under Sean Payton. Like he must have known some people through there.
0: Absolutely. And, and to be named an assistant. To be named an assistant coach, I think under Sean Payton, he should speak volumes because yes. you really need to understand. Like Sean Payton's connections, you know, Sean Payton was Bill Parcells' offensive coordinator in Dallas. Like Sean Payton is a made man in the NFL, and I think if you're close enough to Sean Payton, and let's not let's not also forget that the first free agent that signed with the Dallas Cowboys when Bill Parcells was a head coach was Dan Campbell. So uh, there's there's some very interesting tea leaves to be read there, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of speculation you can you can do with that, but I don't think it can be understated. And,
1: and one thing I think I, I, yeah. before we get into some names, one thing to kind of maybe keep in your back of mind um, when we look at maybe some of the Saints guys he might be poaching. This might be a pretty good jumping off point for a lot of the people in that Saints organization, right? They, they, they just witnessed an end of an era. In their yeah, I, I
2: saw it. people were lip reading. Uh, Drew Brees went to Jameis Winston's and said, this is your team now. <laughs> According. <laughs>
1: All right. Then I, abandon ship. You haven't heard <laughs> that? Abandon
2: ship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depending how you feel about Jameis Winston. But that's the point. A massive sea change is coming to the Saints. Fear, uncertainty, doubt in New Orleans about what the future entails, even if Sean Payton will still be there. So, yeah. And I was going through some of his, uh, you know, guys he knew on that aborted 2015 run after Joe Philbin was shown the door, too. So uh, plenty of names to talk about there. But one last point about Ryan's note there, and this is me being a little cheeky, is that everything I'm hearing basically is that Dan Campbell, the inheritor to the legacy of Bill Parcells.
0: Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> All right. let, let, let's start. <laughs> let's, let's get let's start, the names.
2: Yeah, go yeah, ahead, let's, Ryan.
0: Let's, Let's start coordinator talk by by scratching one guy's name off the list, right? Uh, Do it. Def- defensive line coach with the Saints, Ryan Nielsen, is in the stages of finalizing a deal to become LSU's defensive coordinator. I know that was a name that was really popular am- amongst people um, in terms of a coordinator search. Ryan Nielsen uh, has done a really good job with that Saints defensive line. I mean, look at look at the uh, look at what they've done there. I mean, Cam Jordan. Um, one of the, the best defensive ends in all of football for, for a long time. And interestingly enough, I, I think that Nielsen actually hired with the Saints the same year that Dan Campbell did. So that's one name off the board. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So excited that I, I wrote like close to a thousand words on why this guy could and should be the Lions next defensive coordinator. But I, I think Aaron Glenn, the defensive backs coach for the New Orleans Saints right now, 100 percent needs to be the Lions next def- defensive coordinator. And um, yeah, a couple of reasons. Saints why. defense
2: was amazing,
0: uh, especially their secondary. Their secondary ranks amongst, you know, the top five in the NFL. And, um, you know, that that has been a, a steady work in progress, because I, I'm sure a lot of us remember those Saints defenses of yesteryear in terms of, you know, the the instability that was there in their defensive backfield. But um, my, my sales pitch for Aaron Glenn is really easy. Texas A&M alum as well with Dan Campbell. Uh, both come, you know, from under the tutelage of Bill Parcells. Aaron Glenn, Aaron Glenn is one of those made men um, in the Bill Parcells coaching tree.
2: I was going to say, I think they both rubbed shoulders with each other in the locker room in, in one year, in 2005, I believe.
0: Might have been in Dallas, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, um,
2: in, in, definitely in Dallas, yeah.
0: Yeah, and... Um, I I think and then obviously the connection there with the Saints, they both uh, made their way to New Orleans in 2016. And like I said, Aaron Glenn has done absolute wonders with that with that Saints pass defense. And um, what is most appealing about Aaron Glenn is that he was a guy who after he was done with, I mean, an illustrious NFL career. At one point, he was the second highest paid cornerback behind only Deion Sanders. The guy finished with 41 <laughs> interceptions in his NFL career, played 15 years, as I said. Um, and I mean, like... Three-time
2: All-Pro, like, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: it, it it would be easy for him to just say, like, cool, I'm done with football. But, like, he just had this itch. And there, there's this awesome article that I, you know, reference a bunch in uh, the article that's going to be coming out in Prior Detroit that uh, Dan Pompey wrote for The Athletic. Um, but, I mean, Aaron Glenn is a guy who interviewed for the New York Jets head coaching job just a week ago. Yeah. And and don't misconstrue that as, like, nepotism or comfortability or familiarity with, his, uh, you know, a, a former team that he played with. Aaron Glenn is so ready to be, you know, not only just a defensive coordinator, but it, it's funny enough that we kind of led this segment off talking about, you know, defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators getting poached after a year. It would not shock me if Aaron Glenn was a defensive coordinator for a year and then moved on to to greener pastures
2: I, at, I at mean, all. I, I mean, my God, I'm just kind of looking at his resume here. He even has like administrative experience. Like bef- be- before he became a coach, he was like he worked as a personnel scout for, for the Jets. And he was like trying his hand for a year as a general manager for a semi pro team. Just to kind of handle things, like he's all over the place. And I think, I think Ryan, what would actually give us a lot of promise is that if this was going to be a hire for Dan Campbell, you know that what that would signal to me is that the strategy of Dan Campbell might be then between this, Chris Spielman, and everything else, we might be seeing kind of the first real guy for for decades now. A line of guys, not not coming from trees, but Former players, former players who are only like 12 years removed from the league at most for some of them, trying to be a, a head coaching staff and trying to take a team who I know we hate to bring it up, try to pay, take a team that no one else has been able to take to the mountaintop, but they want to give their their, you know, school of hard knocks a shake on it. They, they want to give it an honest college try on it.
0: Yeah, and that's, I, I that's I fascinating. Give- yeah. And and I want to give one last tidbit and then I want to hear Jeremy's uh, <clears throat> kind of reactions and his impression of of Aaron Glenn as a potential defensive coordinator. But one of my favorite things is Aaron Glenn wants to get into coaching. And this is in the Pompeii article. And he and he calls Bill Parcells and he says, hey, I, I want to get into coaching. And Bill Parcells, Parcells says, no, like you're not going into coaching. What you're going to do is you're going to be a scout and you're going to yep. be a pro scout. And you're going to cut your teeth doing that and then you're going to cut your teeth being uh, he was a he was a regional college scout and he literally drove his Hyundai Sonata like all over, you know, wherever. I mean, this is a guy who was a three time pro bowler and one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL and he's literally cutting his teeth, getting coffee and and he's such a humble person and then finally, he's like, did I do enough yet? And Parcells is like, yeah, you're ready. And then he takes a job with the Cleveland frickin' Browns as an Jets, assistant. Jets to, Browns, Jets to Browns.
2: Jets, Jets to Browns. Jets to
0: Browns. And then, and then takes over a Saints defensive secondary that, like I said, wasn't, wasn't so great. And now is one of the best in the NFL. So, Jeremy, does any of that excite you enough? If Aaron Glenn is the defensive coordinator, does, does that wash away one of your big concerns with Dan Campbell being a hire?
1: It it does it. I, I will say we have to bring up the the point that he's never called defensive place. That that's Absolutely. a big. That's a big. I mean, we're we're already talking about a very inexperienced staff or a guy, a first time GM, first time head coach, first time head coach, and then you're talking about a, a first time defensive coordinator. That that's a legitimate concern. I think that's something you have to be cognitive of. Um, but. There are a ton of things to like about Aaron Glenn. You mentioned a bunch of them. It's also worth mentioning he, he got a defensive coordinator interview last year with the Giants. This this is a guy who absolutely has a future in the NFL as a defensive coordinator, at least. I'm I'm 100% with you there. The Lions might want to go a more experienced route, especially since they've said this entire process they want to get more experienced, and they haven't yet. But, again, this this is this would go a lot of ways to assuage some of my fears in that. You're getting a defensive backs coach for your defensive coordinator, which tells me, again, you're maybe a little bit more about the passing game than the run game, which is what you should be. You're getting a defensive backs coach for a very young secondary that you have right now in Jeff Okuda, Manio Oroarie, even Tracy Walker, and and and, and I, I don't know what you what you do with the rest of the, the, the secondary there, but those are guys that are definitely going to benefit from having Aaron Glenn as your, as your defensive coordinator. So overall, I'm for it, but you do have to consider that you're putting in Another up and comer, but not, you know, proven experience at, at a very key position on the staff. Counter, maybe when they said, oh, yeah, go ahead, Ryan.
0: Counterpoint to hiring a veteran defensive coordinator, Paul Pascalone.
2: Mm. <laughs> all right. you don't have to
1: be that veteran, though,
2: all right? <laughs> Just knives out, Ryan. Uh, maybe when they were talking about experience, maybe when the Lions were talking about experience, maybe they meant experience as being an NFL player. versus versus a head versus a head coach who peaked playing at Rensselaer Polytechnic.
0: I I think it's a really good point that you bring up, Chris, because, I mean, I don't think it can be understated how. How much Chris Spielman clearly has to do with this, this search like Dan Campbell. And we we talked about it on on the other podcast. um, We we joked about it. We joked about it. We joked about about it, it, but I think it's
2: serious. It's not it's not Spielman looking at Campbell's guns and saying you're hired, but I think there is (laughs) a bit of brotherhood of NFL going on here. Guys are seeing because we see a lot of foreign players who are trying to, you know, cut their teeth now in the NFL. And we've kind of seen it in other sports where the line between coach and player has kind of shrunk, but it hasn't really hit the NFL yet. This might be it.
0: Better than guys being dudes.
2: <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Spielman might be influencing. I don't want to that I, I'm really curious to see what happens in the next week or so when they do the introductory when they do the introductory press conference, when they when they uh, talk about how the search and how much Spielman was involved. I think that's important. Uh, We're over a bit, but I do want to give a little bit of time to Daryl Bevel. Um, do Do either of you guys think there is a chance that he is retained, maybe as you say, as being that veteran voice to maybe bridge the gap between old and new to to work with the existing offense and maybe because Campbell might not have the same, you know, people in mind for offensive coordinator.
1: I think there's a chance. I think I think it probably relies most on what Bevel wants to do. Because I I think the Lions organization respects Bevel. I think they thought he did a hell of a job as interim head coach. I think he's done a pretty good job as offensive coordinator when not, you know, constrained to a Matt Patricia game plan of ball control and, and time of possession and things like that. Um, I also think if they were to keep him around, it would probably be a sign that, that Matthew Stafford would stick around because that's, that's his due. Um, so if if Matthew Stafford has any pull with this team's future and who knows if he does or doesn't, I think Daryl Bevel is a possibility. But does Daryl Bevel want to be here? That's a whole different question, and I, don't, I, I can't give you an answer there. I think you know, I, he seemed to be optimistic about how his head coaching interview went. Obviously, it didn't go good enough, um, but he's going to have opportunities elsewhere. He, he is. He's, he's a good enough offensive coordinator where I think if he wants somewhere else where he thinks maybe there's a chance that he takes over as head coach somewhere, um, I think he jumps at that. Um, but I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's not a hire that would get me thrilled, but I would be totally okay with it. What, what do you think, think? Ryan?
0: Yeah, I'm with Jeremy. I think I think the biggest thing to understand is that Daryl Bevel was the head coach for a very brief period of time, interviewed for the head coaching job and then did not get it. So he would have to go back to being the offensive coordinator. Awkward. Right. That's a that's a bit weird. Um, so we don't usually
2: I, get to see that. We don't usually see that in the NFL.
0: Yeah, not not at all. And um, I know that there was some interest in terms of. Oh, boy, was it? I mean. Goodness gracious, the Eagles are in God awful uncharted territory <laughs> deciding if, if they want to give the job to Josh McDaniels, But I think that there was some connection there that potentially he would be like an offensive coordinator. I, um, I don't
2: know about McDaniels because everything I've heard for all these years has been McDaniels is going to be the next made man in in New England. Once once the once the evil emperor retires,
0: we 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 talked about this on the podcast. I remember 100 percent for sure. All of us were in agreement that after McDaniels back out of the Colts job, we were all like that guy should never get another opportunity to be a head coach. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I see some people on our YouTube chat who have floated the name and rightly our YouTube chat has has also said, stay the hell away from Josh McDaniels, too. So.
0: (laughs) So. But yeah, I mean, that's where it is with Bevel. I think that you know, as Jeremy said, if he has an opportunity to go elsewhere and maybe there's a quicker line of succession to being a head coach or maybe he can go to a better situation that would help him audition to being a head coach, I think that Daryl Bevel should take that opportunity.
2: All right, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk more about the Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell connection. It was a very quick turnaround between the two. I don't know how much there is overlap between the two. And I think there are some legit questions of how they will work together. And again, we're just sitting here the days after the announcements, reading the tea leaves here. I want to stress that we are all doing massive, wild speculation, sometimes uncharitable to Dan Campbell, as evinced by everyone talking about Greg Wells. But we're going to try to do a little bit more as we close out the Predator Detroit POD cast. When we come back, we will have more on all of the happenings going on in Detroit. <laughs> Wrapping up the Pride of Detroit PODcast here, myself Jeremy Reisman, Ryan Matthews, The Rock God. All sitting here to talk about dan campbell your new head coach in charge of the swole lions the jokes are back i, I couldn't stick away from them too long the pc principle whatever you want to do uh I, i've seen some amazing stuff from lions twitter the last 24 hours but we now talk about a relationship between dan campbell and also new general manager brad holmes for the detroit lions as we sit here and like you know we we this is this is kind of you we talk about overcorrections sometimes in the NFL you do one thing it goes wrong and you kind of do the opposite thing. It is very opposite to go from Bob Quinn, you bring in Bob Quinn to basically bring in Matt Patricia. Those guys come as a package deal whereas Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell have nothing in common. Not a single link between them and they got hired so fast that you do have to wonder how much say Brad Holmes did have in the hiring of Dan Campbell himself. So I don't think there's, there's much of a package here. And I guess the question I'll throw it to Ryan to start us here. Do you, do you you think there's any risk of these two clashing at all?
0: I think if that's the case, then Holy crap, the lions have much bigger fish to fry. They have (laughs) huge problems. I mean, because as, as we were all very aware of at the beginning of this head coach and GM search, the Lions, again, they preached unity, they preached communication, they preached um, togetherness in terms of uh, everybody being on the same page as as hallmarks of this search. So I think that Brad Holmes had to have been included in some capacity in at least the acknowledgement that like, hey, are you cool with Dan Campbell being the guy? Because. I we said this for Bob Quinn, right, and when Bob Quinn got hired, he inherited Jim Caldwell and it was his like, get out of jail free card, his one free pass, right? That as long as Jim Caldwell stuck around, Bob Quinn could always play the, well, you know, he wasn't my head coach card. And then they could move on to Matt Patricia. I, I don't know. And I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, I'm not trying to condemn or I'm not trying to jinx this uh, this new collaboration between Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell uh, from the onset. But I, I I don't think Brad Holmes is going to be given that leniency that Dan Campbell isn't necessarily his quote unquote guy.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I mean, I don't think I have a concern about these two working together. It's obviously something to keep an eye on as a, as a developing situation. But I think one of the things the Lions were, were keying eye on, in on, and I think, I don't know if Rod Wood said it straight up or if he just implied it, but he seemed to say, we want to hire guys that can get along with anybody. We want to hire guys that don't need guys that see eye to eye to work in a harmonious relationship. And everything we've heard about Brad Holmes is that guy. He's He's extremely personable. The way he rose up the ranks. From a PR guy to a scout to where he is today was all about him creating relationships and 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 keeping relationships. And so, on his end, I think I'm I'm not concerned about it at all. I think he'll be able to work together with with uh, Dan Campbell with without any sort of issues. Dan Campbell is kind of an unknown commodity, but. He's even spoken about leadership and, and, and the ability to connect to different people. This, this might not be directly related to, you know, a working relationship, but I thought one of the most interesting quotes, to go back to that LuchaCast podcast, um, he was talking about re- relating to players today as opposed to ones during his era, because it's different. These guys are a little more outspoken. These guys are a little more confident, maybe. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was you do as you're told or you're out of here it's not like that anymore. And so I, I, to see him be able to not only notice that, but adjust to it and say, you know what, it's my job. If if a guy is, is causing a stink, figure out why he's causing a stink and fix it. Um, instead of saying like, get out of here. And so that, that to me shows that maybe he's able to, to work with a lot of different kind of people and that that's encouraging, but it is, it is interesting. And I think you, you do have a point there. A lot of, a lot of this coaching and GM searches all, all seems to be about overcorrection, right? Dan Campbell, while he's he's definitely an intense guy, maybe like Matt Patricia is, he's also a guy, like I said, that I think can build and, and strengthen relationships with players. Brad Holmes is a guy that that's analytic, that's that again isn't tied to the head coach overcorrection, and and that's fine. Like if, if it works, it's fine. But sometimes you, you have to worry about going too far in the other direction. If I may make a, uh, a sidebar here, because you mentioned
2: kind of the intensity that kind of because I've seen this come up, right, Jeremy, that people talk about the intensity being a link between him and Matt Patricia. Right. You've seen that as well. I'm not going out on limb talking about that because I believe when he was yeah. with the Dolphins, he also kind of like I, I don't think he razzed on the players, but like it was definitely, you know, they 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 hit a uh, they, they hit a patch there. Uh, Let's say I'm just I'm pulling up their record again just to make sure where when it was. I'm trying to remember when it was, but like you know it was always up and down there. But I will say this from what I understand because I think someone posted in our Discord and I I watched it. The uh, Dave Wanstad went on with uh, (laughs) with uh, Colin Cowherd and talked about you know Dan Campbell and his his time there. And but he one of the things was you were he was talking about how he's holding himself responsible as well that he was fighting with his guys and not just, you know, not not really like creating an adversity there. It's it's very much so just trying to get, you know, get in each other's head and kind of like what players do on the sidelines. And again, I have to make that kind of comparison there. I have to I have to <laughs> make the differences between Patricia and Campbell very clear in this regard. Is that Dan Campbell again was a player in the NFL up until 2009. Played for a lot of teams through the suck and got out there, stuck through it. And when he was a coach in, in, in Miami, just kind of he held him. And that was one of the things Juan said, said, too, is like he held himself accountable too, mm-hmm. very strictly, very, very strictly. And players see that and they now compare that to a guy whose playing career peaked at Rensselaer Polytechnic, Univers- Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute went, was with one team his entire career and yelled at guys for being on social media when he himself is, sh- is showing up 30 minutes late.
1: Not and, the same. And, and he never went through adversity. Dan Campbell's no. been through adversity.
0: <laughs>
2: Probably one of the biggest adversities any yeah. player's faced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the Lions itself. Yeah.
0: And, and if anybody wants to get on the grit train... Dan Campbell has to be your guy. He was a blocking tight end.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Like you're you're asked to asked to wear and speak asked to wear a lot of different hats there. And again, playing for some pretty hard nosed uh, coaches in there too. Like we talked enough about Parcells on this on this podcast as well. And I would have to stress again, Bill Parcells and and to work with some hard nosed guys like Sean Payton as well. So. Um, One more note here as we wrap up uh, going back to Brad Holmes side of things that there was the report, Jeremy, you published this on Monday that Brad Holmes is he's got bold plans for the rosters, but Mike Disner is going to handle a lot of the operation side of things, which means Brad Holmes is going to focus on the roster. Now, for a guy who has a background as a director of college scouting. That sounds beyond ideal to me. That's what, like, we, we've talked about how precarious, how tenuous the Lions' situation is, teetering on this verge of a quasi-rebuild, that uh, I, it, it does help me to hear that your general manager is going to be very roster-focused right now.
1: Yeah, I think this is a huge move, a very very underrated move, and it's why I, I felt the need to post it. And, and to be clear, this is Albert Breer's reporting, so it isn't the Lions officially going out and saying, hey, Mike Disner is suddenly going to have this kind of increased role where he's dealing with all, you know, nutrition and and weight room and, and all the kind of like business, but still football related side stuff. But I think one of the biggest questions we had during this entire process was how was the front office going to be shaped? What role is Rod Wood going to play? What role is Chris Spielman going to play? What role is the GM going to play? What role is some of the guys that are in here? And this provides a little clarity and I think it makes a ton of sense. Like you essentially have... Now, Mike Disner in the role that everyone was afraid that Rod Wood was in, which is the football business side of stuff, where it's still technically business, but it's also very much involved with, with the football side of things. So that part is taken care of by Mike Disner, who, if you don't know, has kind of been the salary cap guy for a long time. Um, so this is a new role for him, and, and maybe that'll give you some consternation, whatever. Um, but it, 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 I think the key there is also just Brad Holmes, you're, you focus on finding talent because that's what you're good at. Don't worry about all of that other stuff. Maybe we'll incorporate that into your job once you're you're sitting comfortable and and you're you're hitting on all these third round picks. But for now, just do what you do. And there's still some questions, right? Like there's still some questions about who's going to be pro personnel, right? The Lions have a guy, director of pro personnel, uh, Rob Loman. He's a guy that was involved in in kind of the general manager search, so you have to think maybe he sticks around. Maybe that's what they do. Maybe they don't shake up the scouting department right away uh, in general um, with. Brad Holmes, you know, just let him be comfortable with, with who they got and develop his own scheme. Because, listen, like, all these talks about, you know, uh, the Rams and their, their crazy innovative, you know, data-driven scouting, all that sort of stuff, it's not going to come right away. He's not going to come in and have it all in place and to be ready by April's draft. That's just not realistic. So he's going to have to deal with some of the leftover staff, and that's not necessarily a bad thing.
2: Which, by the way, too, we just got news today on Monday that the draft is I mean, the the, the lead up to the draft is going to be different because there's not going to be a combine like the NFL's the NFL's calling. it still the NFL combine, but there's basically no combine in Indianapolis. It's basically going to be a bunch of virtual meetings, virtual psych tests, which means that hopefully someone leaks a zoom to us of someone (laughs) taking the wonderlick but it's basically going to be a bunch pro of people days. zooming in and Skyping in to everyone's pro days on different college campuses. Yep. That's going to impact, that's going to impact how people see a lot of these guys going towards the draft.
1: Yeah. And so it's going to be, I mean, Brett Holmes has his work cut out for him in his very first draft. And, you know, I think we'll we'll probably look back on this draft and, and a lot of people judge him on his first draft, but I think, I think you have to wait. This is going to be a long process of overturning the scouting department. Um, he might not, and, and again, he might choose not to. I think the Lions have a lot of those guys in the front office in which they trust, and I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it was, you know, it was Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia's very specific vision that they were building towards. We don't know if they can't build towards something else because a lot of those guys have been around for decades, like well, well before the Boston Boys were here. So, um, I think I think you won't see that much turnover. It'll just it'd be interesting to see how the restructuring goes. And so far, so far, so far, so good with Disney.
0: How much of Brad Holmes, quote unquote, bold plan do you think includes Matthew Stafford?
2: <laughs> That's but, the million dollar question, isn't it?
0: Yeah. And, and to be
1: clear, again, let me let me just pull the direct quote from Albert Breer. Um, he was talking about Holmes's interview and how he knocked it out of the park. And at one point he says, one by one, Holmes calmly and logically knocked out those. Then he gave a cutting, honest assessment of the Lions roster and a bold plan for what he'd do if he landed the job Mm. spicy i I think everyone's everyone's mind immediately goes to matthew stafford right like that's the boldest thing you could do is trade away your franchise quarterback um i don't i i don't know it's it's obviously all speculation there i don't know what else bold you could do other than like cut everyone on defense (laughs) and that's not even that bold it's like 90 (laughs) percent of those guys probably deserve it
2: yeah, yeah, the fans would be like, absolutely. Just just keep Romeo Aquara and everyone. <laughs> our
1: yeah. our, our chance says bold would be keeping to
2: <laughs> Jesus, <that laughs> that, on some guys,
0: that's not the kind of bold I, I would like, but I, I think that it would almost even be considered bold and, and hear me out on this. What if Brad Holmes decides to maybe go quarterback at number seven? Like that might be a bold plan to to you know outline the line and say, hey, like I, I like the situation we have right now with Stafford. However, you know, in order for me to get things rolling and headed in the right direction, maybe we need to depart from from the old and and, and get in get in somebody new under center. I mean, that can be considered a bold plan. I I don't know. The word bold just opens up pandora's box for all these you know different uh i guess like choose your own adventure gm paths and and you
1: know yeah
0: sorry
2: i i was gonna say like i two notes from me on that well i'll save one jeremy do his and i'll leave you guys my final notes we wrap up the podcast i don't know like i think it's to get a quarterback in this draft how hungry some teams are you might have to move up from seven which i know jeremy does not like moving up in the draft at all and I, I understand that it's a lot of value lost to move up in the draft. But I mean, if a new quarterback is in the cards, like you're going to be paying to get up there because Jacksonville's up there. Jets are up there, obviously. But then Atlanta, Philadelphia, both those teams might be hungry for quarterbacks. And who knows wants to, who wants to trade up their way to.
1: That, that leads in perfectly for what I was going to say, which is remember where Brad Holmes was coming from. The Rams and, the and how Rams much they gave up for golf. Hell- they gave up a hell of a lot for golf. They gave up a hell of a lot of draft picks for... I mean, there's a reason Brad Holmes hasn't had a first-round draft pick in, in four years. It's because they trade. They like to get aggressive with their personnel moves. So maybe that's it. Maybe they trade away a draft pick for a big free agent or obviously not a free agent, a a, a big player. Maybe they become... Maybe maybe they become players in Deshaun Watson. I, I highly, 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 highly doubt it, and I don't even want to get into that conversation. Really, you just sniped my second point. <laughs> you just sorry. sniped it. You just sniped. But yeah, it. I mean, we've if if he follows what Les Snead did in in Los Angeles, he's not going to be afraid to use draft capital. Period. Whether it means going up or going down, and so. That, that brings excitement, but you're right. I don't like trading up as much as I like trading down. And the Rams did some plenty, plenty of trading down as well. Let's, let's be clear. But um, perhaps perhaps we see them get a little more aggressive and maybe trade on draft day with a team that isn't the New England Patriots. That would be pretty cool, right? <laughs> bold. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> bold. Very bold.
2: Very <laughs> bold. Uh, yeah, I'll leave you with, I'll, I'll leave our audience with a thought of what if the Lions trade for Deshaun Watson? But um, I don't even know what that, what 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 would what, what would what would Houston even give you? Right,
1: <laughs> like they don't have a draft pick. What are they going to give you? What are you going to give them? I think it's what you mean. Uh, yeah, they would, you, I, they would give you. Deshaun Watson.
2: That's enough. They give you Deshaun. I, that's the. I, you're right. I I my my <laughs> brains
1: my brains <laughs> turn
2: backwards, which means it's time to wrap up the podcast because obviously I'm turning very adequate in five seconds. Um, Ryan, any final notes before we let you go here, man? Trade for Deshaun Watson. Stop it. Get out of here. Kick
1: him. Kick him out.
2: (laughs) All right. Yep. All right. For myself, I'm on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Watch us on Twitch. Watch us on YouTube. We love all you guys there. Download the podcast wherever you get podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. We're on all those platforms, maybe even more I don't know about, and join the Discord. It will be in the description of this episode. Please, by all means, join the Discord. We're growing that community. For, my, for all three of us here and for everyone else who writes and edits and does all of the nitty gritty work at Pride of Detroit, I tell you, we will see you starside. <laughs>